0: but sharp and iron. This is The Kingdom Project, and I'm your host, Marcus Hall. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, another episode, and thanks for uh, checking us out. Um, if you've not already get on Facebook and do a search for the kingdom project podcast and give a like and follow or whatever. Um, (laughs) uh, and, um, subscribe to, um, whatever, uh, catcher that you're listening to us on and leave a review. I would really appreciate it. If you would leave a review, that would be awesome and say, thanks again for those who are listening and, um, engaging. It's, uh, um, man, last week, uh, well over, um, a hundred downloads, um, people going back to older episodes. That means new, new people are, um, checking, checking it out or finding it or whatever. And, and going back to the, uh, older ones and, uh, seeing what's going on, I guess. So that's awesome. That's cool. So, um, that was a big deal. So we've, we've are over, uh, 1100, uh, downloads. I, I keep saying we, but it's just me. <laughs> it's just me. Uh, there is no team or anything like that. So, uh, anyway, thanks. Thanks guys. It's cool. And, uh, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to do my best at, uh, trying to come up with, um, new creative content, <laughs> or something that's, you know, interesting that could engage you and make you think, and that could challenge you and, uh, sharpen you. And, uh, so, um, let's, let's, I, I think I may be going the way of eschatology and finally, finally diving into that. That's not everybody's cup of tea. I understand that. So I may try to do, the series, uh, an eschatology series and, and then an, a, another episode on something else on something lighter. Um, that way I don't lose people's interest and they just stop listening altogether. If I do eschatology for X amount of weeks, cause it could take a long time. Um, or I may just do a simplistic overview, you know, I don't know. We'll see. So, um, so, uh, but I, I think, I would like to tackle on this well i don't think i know it's what i'm going to do is tackle the issue of heaven and earth and the paradigms um that we need to get a grasp on that heaven and earth in the bible is not just the physical created heavens um, or heaven but heavens in the old testament simply is sky um, but there is a heaven where God, the Father, is at, and Jesus sits at his at his right hand, uh, ruling, um, in in power and authority. Right. Um, so there, that is a place. Um, but there's different heavens and earth in the Bible, and I think I've mentioned that before. So um, before getting completely. In, into that, um, we're, we'll have to, we'll have to talk about <laughs> something else. Brace yourself. Okay. All right. So the, the question would be, doesn't the Bible say that God is someday going to destroy the world and set up a new heaven and earth? Um, so that's, that's the objection. And the contending paradigm, all right, because this this whole um, end of the world or end time paradigm is the number one reason that many of us have been so um, mis, mis, uh, misplaced or mis... Uh, or, uh, I don't know, but caught up in the wrong way of understanding of the biblical end time prophecy. Okay, so it doesn't matter if you've said, well, you know, so and so has said that the Bible the Bible says the world will end someday. Uh this world's only temporary, or Jesus himself warned that that someday this world as we know it will come to an end. All right, but not because of war or you know, things like that, but because of God's wrath, because of God's anger, and it will be destroyed with fire. Um, he's the one that will destroy the world. Um, and with all due respect to those who hold that opinion and or say those things or teach those things, um, uh, the i think the the actual answer to that is no the bible doesn't say that um and relying on somebody who 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 says that doesn't settle the matter um there's only 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 specific statements from scripture uh can actually do as we would agree to test everything and hold on to what is good so nothing we should know that nothing is exempt from from that admonishment in scripture um the fact is that there's no clear statement that actually teaches an end of the world or an end of time or an end of human history actually Um, but it does speak of a time of the end, um, which is mentioned in Daniel. And that's a big difference uh, there. So um, one problem has been that the original King James version of the Bible has mistranslated the Greek word um, aion, which is A-I-O-N. They mistranslated that word as world instead of the actual word that it meant is supposed to be age um, when you read um, the end of the world uh, in matthew twenty four it's actually the end of the age um, and there's actually other places um uh, uh, in the king king james uh, matthew twelve thirty two matthew thirteen twenty two Matthew 13, 39, 40, 49, over and over again. Matthew 24, 3, 28, 20 are examples of that. Um, Most most Bible uh, translations, newer ones, even even the the New King James Version um, has corrected this and has rendered it properly as age. Okay, so um, you should take note of that. Uh, So... Um but there's not really any evidence that exists that first century Jews um that who were the the early Christians or any New Testament writer were anticip- anticipating an, an end to the human race or the complete destruction of the physical earth um it's to let you down uh gently it's it's not a profound and glorious doctrine of the church because it's just not there uh, <laughs> the, the biblical truth about the end of the world is really within the biblical phrase world without end amen the bible says the world had a beginning but is without end um from the beginning of the world, uh, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. It's in Ephesians 3 9 um, and 21. And um, it, it's been actually a, conf- a doxology and a confessional uh, creed or a confessional truth of the historical church actually that says glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy ghost as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen it's a a woman named uh, gloria Patri that had that um so so what does that mean? What does world with, without end amen mean? And it, <laughs> it means exactly what it says. The world or age is not going to end. In the original Greek, the phrase translated as world without end is an idiom and is translated differently in other uh more Modern translations, but some some versions read throughout all generations, forever and ever. Um, it's literally it's into all generations of the age of the ages. It's an idiom, and as an idiom, the actual meaning of of the phrase is actually is greater than and cannot be directly understood from from its literal literal words um every every translation of this of this idiom contains um a basic basic truth right so the the meaning of the the word translated as age um is a long indefinite period of time um in in this idiom it's both the singular age and the plural ages are used. Uh, so it's that what's that mean? It means that it's intensified double. It's double and it, it double the double use intensifies the meaning of an unending future. So world without end and other translations actually emphasize the concept, of permanence, of eternalness, of endlessness, everlastingness, and so on. It it clashes with any idea of an end of the world or human history, okay? Uh, the world simply does not have an end. <laughs> and scientifically, people would say, well, it will have to end at some point, but those are usually people that don't believe in a god. Now, there are Christian scientists that... Um I have read and um, and and do make a case that the world will indeed sometime have to end when the sun will surely one day burn out, but we are talking about King Jesus, Lord of Lord and King of Kings, all power power and authority belongs to him. so if, the sun is due to burnout, and he doesn't want it to, then surely it doesn't have to. Um, Some people may just think that's silly, but I believe in the son of of man, and the (laughs) God-man. God who became man and was crucified, and bled and died for all of humanity... Because God for so loved the world. So I'm getting on a rant. So, <laughs> so um, we can get into, you could get into other things when it comes to the um, literature and the words and all that that are being used, but um, we'll just go to the amen that follows that. And it that makes the phrase even more uh, emphatic. Um, amen affirms this proclamation and adds the meaning so may it be in accordance with the will of god so what you have is a double strengthening and emphasis of the certainty of an idiom that states that the world or age is without end (laughs) and there's other verses that tell us that um you can you can look up that you know the earth endures or remains forever as ecclesiastes uh, 1 4 um psalm 78 69 psalm 1 104 5 uh, 93 1 96 10 119 90 uh, 89 36 and 37 and 148 4 and 6 and on and on it goes that Eternalness is not only an, an attribute that um, that we know of of that belongs t- to God in His glory, but it's also an, an attribute that's ascribed to His creation. So, you have to think of the objections that can happen when you make a, st- a statement or a claim like this, and the uh, the the basic one is. Um, God only promised to never destroy the world again by water. Okay, so um, John Noe's, who has um, got his PhD, is is taking a lot of this from his studies, his dissertation. Um, but I've I've read many. Many on when it comes to eschatology. So, um, um, and you, you can take a look for, for yourself, um, in, in scripture. So, um, but his response is twice since the flood in Noah's day, God has promised not to destroy the world. He made these two promises to Noah on behalf of all humanity for all time. And they're recorded in the old Testament of Genesis as a record of his faithfulness and trustworthiness. All right, so the first time is in Genesis eight, where God says, "Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all li- living creatures as I have done." As long as the earth endures, or remains seed time and harvest cold and heat summer and winter day and night will never cease that's in genesis 8 21 and 22 and then he he says this again in genesis 9 11 it says never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth okay so many have have debated on this and saying that it's too um, well, they look at it first and see, oh well, there's two promises here, but he uh, he ups it or he changes it um, <laughs> the second time. Um, m- many many agree that it's an eternal promise, right? And so it it depends solely upon the re- reliability of God, but many say that the second one is a disclaimer or the qualifier of the first. They assume that God has placed this restriction on his first promise. And then so they argue that since God destroyed the world once by a flood, then you put the sum total of these two promises is that he has only limited himself by how he can destroy it the next time, so uh, he can he can use any other method that he wants to, other than water. So you know, fire is on the table, um, meteors and and all that stuff. Right? He he's completely free to use whatever except for water. He will not destroy the world with a flood again. Um, so. So the question is: Is he free to do this? <laughs> and what is the value of a promise? Um, because what what's at stake with that is that question of the re- reliability of God. There's nowhere else in the Bible uh, does God take away from any of his any of his e- eternal promises. All right, um, if God or even you and I can make a promise and then come back a little later and then diminish what we said. Can that be considered trustworthy? Can it be considered faithful? All right. So, uh, and, and again, John Noe says, let me illustrate this point of, of being absurd. You know, and and uh, he he says, "What if, what if, you know?" I'll just say it in in the 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 tense of me as Marcus, I'm I. All right. So, what if I? What if I just go crazy? I go on a mad rampage, destroy my house, and hack up the furniture, put holes in the walls, and I I'm doing this all with a an axe. And and then later, I promise my wife and son that never again will I destroy all the furniture and the walls as I have done today, (laughs) as long as the house remains. Okay. And then, and then a couple of days later though, I I come up to them and I say, never again will all the furniture be cut to pieces and, and holes poked in the walls by a long handle ax. Never again will there be a long-handled axe to destroy this house. What, what's the promise? Would my second promise reduce the commitment of the first? Would the greater promise be diminished by the lesser? Mm-hmm. Or, you, you know, follow along. Would, would the first one be null and void? Freeing me to choose any other method to destroy the house. And if so, how could my wife and my son ever again trust one of my promises if all I had to do was come back a little later and change things by making a lesser promise or issuing a qualifying disclaimer, right? My family wouldn't trust me. They would never buy it. Yours wouldn't either. And neither should we when it comes to God. Because God is trustworthy and he is faithful. He does not play games in any way at all. Especially when it comes to his promises. We can rely fully on them. So if we take God's word here for all that it says if we take it for why not just take it at face value right because if we do then his second promise does not compromise his first he he made two independent prom- promises about the same topic only separated by ten verses uh, he didn't give one promise and then put a disclaimer on it right each, each one stands on its its own merits, and and is subject to its own contingencies. Um, yeah, God's second promise is contingent upon a, a flood method, right? Uh, but we should give special notice here that to the fact that the planet Earth remained <laughs> intact both during and after the flood. And time never ended, even the world was said to have been destroyed. God's first promise, then, is not contingent upon the phrase, as I have done, but upon the conditional phrase, as long as the earth remains. God didn't say, as long as I allow the earth to endure. (laughs) Right? Now, that sort of sounds like I was going off on a rabbit trail earlier, but I'm just saying, it's the Lord. He knows it's going to endure, so it says it will endure and remain forever. All right, so um, he, he, God, God didn't say as as long as I allow the earth to endure, right? Uh, so how long does the earth remain or endure? Uh, well, for generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. That's what the Bible says. So God has never diminished any of his promises in the Bible, but he actually um, enhances them. And no scripture can be used to negate another one. They all fit together in harmony and they're all consistent with each other. Uh, This is part of God's perfection. Perfection. It's shown in, in Scripture throughout all of it. And um, we we have many, many texts stating that not not only is the world without end, but so are the moon, the sun, the heavens. They all endure and remain forever as well. And I think that's something to consider if you're somebody that's you know, dependent on in times prophecy, excuse me, in times prophecy today that thinks the world is going to end or that something is going to happen in your lifetime. Um, I would consider you to take a look at these texts and go through the Bible again and ask yourself, um, what I've, what I've placed on the table here. Um, um, so, um, now we can, we can go to that, that, that was the first, uh, that's really the first paradigm there. That's, um, uh, an end of the world. All right. That's the paradigm. The other, the next one would be, what about the new heaven and new earth? All right. So, what about the new heaven and new earth, you know? Like wh- why does there have to be a new heaven anyway? All right. <laughs> uh doesn't you know, we say well the the book of revelations, um revelation, it's revelation's prophecy of a it has a come the coming of a new heavens and a new earth and it teaches or implies that this world is going to end someday. That's in Revelation 21 and 22. And then um, we also have from the Olivet Discourse that Jesus Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Um, there's three, three different entities in the Bible, though, that are called heaven and earth, like I said. Um, most of us don't know that. Um, these entities are... Idiomatic or idioms are are relate to something other than just physical heaven and earth and um uh, one of those would never pass away, another had already passed away, and third would soon pass away and be made new <laughs> okay, so let's take a look at those which which heaven and earth was the one that Jesus said would pass away hmm um but let let's take a let's take a look at at the the three different heaven and earth entities or the idioms um the first one should be obvious it it is planet earth and the actual cosmos it's the physical creation um which god eternally created with his divine perfection and it's the one that is without end it endures and remains forever the uh the other one is the old empire of babylon um or babylon even can be used <laughs> metaphorically as well because in revelation um israel has become babylon um but the, but heaven and earth um can be seen as babylon um and i isaiah 13 uh 19 i believe um it it's it's destruction in 50 or 15 539 bc was depicted in by the prophet isaiah and it's described as trembling and shaking of heavens and earth right um therefore i will make the heavens tremble and the earth will shake from its place at the wrath of the lord almighty in the day of his burning anger that's isaiah 13 13 so um and and we know how do we know this prophecy was speaking of Babylon, right? Because I Isaiah told us uh, in in the first verse of the chapter an oracle concerning Babylon that that I uh, that Isaiah son of uh, Amoz Amoz saw. All right, so that's in thirteen one. Um, there's other references um, uh, to. To heaven and earth too and that really points to the whole of the old covenant creation and so when you when i say that i mean israel is heaven and earth the temple is heaven and earth uh the old covenant the mosaic law is heaven and earth um That will take a while to go through, if if we want to dive into that. (laughs) But um, I assure you, that's that's proper. Um, It several times um, for the proper scriptural identification of of this. Um, just have to look at the at the Bible, right? Which. It it mentions this several times throughout scripture. Um and our first witness of that is labeled uh in the subheading of, of most Bibles, uh the song of Moses. Um that's in Deuteronomy 32, which is uh verses one through forty three. And you will notice how Moses begins this. This uh this song, but it's it's really a, a prophetic exhortation, but he, he says, listen, O heavens, and then he says, Hear, O earth. Uh, and so you have to ask yourself, who, who, what, like, to whom is, is Moses talking to? In his introduction to this, Moses tells them and us, it's for all the elders of your tribes and all your officials and that that moses has assembled before him so then the then, then he says so that i can speak these words in their hearing and call heaven and earth to testify against them moses also says that that it's a what this prophecy is about and it's about what will happen to israel in their latter days or their last days and then another witness would be in the book of isaiah in chapter one where the prophet starts this exhortation with the very same words hear o heavens listen o earth and then again you have to ask to whom or what is isaiah directing his message uh, and then and then ask did these two men really expect the physical stars and planets to hear and that planet earth <laughs> with full of its in adamant dirt and rocks and water, <laughs> expect them to listen and take need and be obedient, right? Some would say yes, I know, <laughs> but no, I don't think they did. Like just like Mo Moses, Isaiah tells them and us that O heavens and O earth are simply other names for God's children, um or his people which is my people my people of Israel they were the ones who could hear and listen and heed and obey or disobey and god god uses the same symbolism in uh in his promises to to Abraham when he says i'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth. Look at the heavens and count the stars, right? So will your offspring be. And then we have another short passage in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 51, um, 13 through 16. The prophet actually contrasts God's establishment of two different entities represented uh, by heaven and earth terminology. Okay, Um, now if you use the King James version, it's more graphic and revealing than other translations. Here, Um, that's why I would encourage you to to have more than one Bible translation. Have one for your main study, but have many. I've got man, I've got (laughs) so (laughs) right here on my desk. I've got ESV. I've got Holman. N S A B, Young's Literal, um, and an Orthodox Study Bible, all sitting right here in front of me. But yeah, um in King James, King James Version it says, um, oh boy, here we go in these this King James language, and forgettest forgettest the Lord, thy Maker, that hath stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundation of the earth and hast feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile (laughs) hasten, hasteneth, or I don't know, that he may be loosed and that he should not die in the pit, nor that his... Bread should fail, but I am the Lord thy God that divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of of hosts is his name, and I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundation of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people." God, through his prophet, uses the past this this past perfect form um stretched and laid in recounting his creation of the physical heavens and earth. Then verse fourteen begins with um the captive exile, speaking of bringing them out of exile in Egypt. But notice what happens in the the next two verses, right? It switches. But I am the Lord thy God that divided the sea, whose waves roared, the Lord of hosts in his name. And I have put my words in thy mouth. I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and may say unto Zion, thou art my people. There's a big difference here. It's a totally different world in meaning. In the second portion of this text, God is still speaking to Israel. Well, I don't know if you heard that, but I just leaned down in my chair and it sounded like a, like a fart. So (laughs) I didn't fart. Okay. But here, like he's speaking to Israel, but here he said he's he's talk he he gave them his law that's words in thy mouth, and his covenant protection is covered thee in the shadow of my hand and then he uses these uh plant and lay verbs and speaking of forming a heavens and earth that's different from the ones that he mentioned in verse thirteen. This latter heavens and earth he forms by the process of actually delivering his people, the Jews, from Egyptian slavery by parting the Red Sea, giving them the Mosaic Covenant on Mount Sinai, and protecting them from their enemies. So it, it it's important to notice that the second portion cannot be... Be re- referring to the physical creation, um, because the material heavens and earth existed long before the exodus out of Egypt and the giving of the Mosaic Law. Uh, so God, God's not saying through I- Isaiah that He create created the, the the physical earth for Israel to occupy. Because Gentiles occupied it as well, what what God's saying saying here is is these two infinite or infinitive purposes purpose clauses is he he gave them the law to establish a theocratic, if you will, heavens and earth. He gave his covenant to the Israelites to create their world of biblical judaism the jewish religious system that's how the jews became god's covenant people and god later confirmed this this establishment uh through another prophet using the same uh language um in jeremiah um and and, uh, and it says, and at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it. It's Jeremiah eighteen nine. Um it, Now you you could also check out the temple too, that how the the Jews of Jesus' time looked upon their temple as heaven and earth. Um, they, it was the intersection, the very center of earth. It was the intersection of heaven and earth. And they saw it as a place where heaven and earth came together and where God met man. Um, Josephus, um, is a, and his, a, a Jewish historian, um, and if you've not checked out his uh the antiquities of the jews i would very much uh suggest it. it's very interesting but he 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 calls its outer outer tabernacle an, an imitation of the system of the world and sea and land on which men live uh the inner the most holy place is a heaven pecu- peculiar to god the veil that separated the two was very ornamental and embroidered with all sorts of flowers which the earth produces. so you have two of these heavens and or heavens and earth idioms or entities that are proclaimed in the Bible that have already ended uh, the other never ends <laughs> so. Which, which heaven and earth do you, do you think that Jesus was talking about when, when he declared near the beginning of his ministry, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, right? One jot or tittle will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. That's interesting because if you're sincere on, about seeking truth and understanding of what the word really says and what Jesus really meant, then we cannot ignore this meaning. He... He he conjoined the disappearing slash passing of the law and and gave it the, these clauses, until heaven and earth disappear or pass away and until everything is accomplished, right? Uh, until then, not, not the smallest letter or one jot or tittle c- could pass away. Um, it, it, heaven and earth hasn't passed away, so... Not when jot or tittle of the law have passed away, but we're not under law; we're under grace. He came to fulfill the law, so <laughs> it, heaven and earth, not the physical, has passed away. Right? Um Another question is: the destruction of Babylon was called a shaking of heavens and and the earth. Um what you know what about the destruction of the Dru- of jerusalem and the temple in 70 ad right well um if jesus was referring to the physical universe and which has not passed away or if everything hasn't been accomplished and fulfilled yet then the conclusion must be that the law of moses is still in effect which would mean God's people, or at least the Jews, are still under its authority. And if that's the case, then shouldn't they, and also we, be performing animal sacrifices and celebrating feasts and rituals and dietary laws and honoring the Jewish priesthood, right? (laughs) Neither Orthodox Jews nor the Christian church have practiced any Parts of these laws in over 1900 years or or almost two millennia right but doesn't such a literal interpretation make complete sense i mean uh, you we also should consider how awkward that is it's such a conundrum that if as if as the bible declares the physical earth and material universe were any and are eternally established. And if Jesus was referring to that heaven and earth. Then he just contradicted the Bible. <laughs> so Jesus left no wiggle room right. Um, it, 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 it's, it's a case of all or nothing. Either all was accomplished and fulfilled. Or nothing was accomplished and fulfilled. All passed away or nothing passed away if there's a single old testament promise or prophecy that's unfulfilled or if the old heaven and earth did not disappear then the old covenant and its law system are still in effect there's no le- like legitimate escape from that conclusion it, that's how it is but it, it it that disappears and goes away when we understand that heaven and earth that Jesus was referring to was the old covenant. It was the temple system. It was the temple. It was Israel, um, the covenant people, not the physical earth and the cosmos that surrounds it. So, that system did pass away, then the heaven and earth that Jesus is talking about also had to pass away because all is accomplished now the demise of the temple and that whole um desolation of the institutions of the law happened in seventy a d and it was m- much more than the smallest letter or one jot or one tittle. It was the entire system of biblical Judaism. (laughs) So that that's the heaven and earth that Jesus was talking about was covenantal. Uh, It was not cosmic. It has passed away. It was superseded by a new heaven and a new earth, a, new covenantal reality and it all came to pass precisely as and when he said it would within the generation of his contemporaries <laughs> um, so you got to think of it this way well what's the new heaven and earth Well, it's the new covenant but if the temple was actually the intersection of heaven and earth where God dwelt and ministered uh to men and met men um and that's been destroyed and jesus made his tabernacle or dwelling among men he was a walking talking temple he was a walking talking holy of holies and he came to to show the father and nobody can get to the father except through him and we are placed in him he is in us we are filled with the holy spirit we are sealed it's a down payment of things to come we are we enter into this new covenant of grace by faith and faith alone and we then become a so-called you know intersection of heaven and earth because our bodies are a temple, and the Holy Spirit dwells in our in our being. we are the walking, talking holy of holies now we tabernacle <laughs> among others in our life. We are a heaven and earth, so to speak, because we're seated in heavenly places, we're placed in Christ, He's in us. Uh, our citizenship is first and foremost in heaven. So there's an already but not yet paradigm happening where we have stepped into eternity, but not in its full glory. We are a royal priesthood. We are kings and priests because we only need one mediator between the father and and us now and that's Christ and he's made that uh, available to us so heaven and earth is physical it's babylon and it's the old covenant which includes israel jerusalem you know and the temple And two of those have passed away and they're gone. And the new heaven and earth, it's you and it's I and the church universally across the actual physical earth. And if you read Revelation 21, 22, you'll see that he's healing. Jesus is healing the nations. You'll see that The gates are open. They're not shut. They're not closed or locked. And that the dogs, the adulterers, the murderers, the idolaters, all of those people are right outside. And the river of life flows from this heaven and earth. The river of life. The tree of life. The ministry of reconciliation says... It's here for anyone who wishes to be reconciled to the Father because you have been reconciled and you were welcomed in to this new covenant of grace through faithfulness. Well, there you guys go. There's another episode. I hope you learned some things from that. Um, I love that stuff. Um, that's my, my bread and butter, so to speak. So... Questions, concerns, disagreements, send me an email at the Kingdom Project Podcast at gmail.com. And until next time, be a mustard seed, be 11. Thanks for listening.